Welcome to the Evolved Athlete Podcast, where the best in the business bring you the best in fitness, nutrition, wellness, and overall, making you the best athlete of all time. We're host Coach P and his fellow coaches, Kayla, Destiny, Jen, and Ian, take you on a path to greatness. Let's get on with our guest and let's have a great time. Let's roll. Welcome back, y'all, to the Evolved Athlete Podcast. I'm here with my colleague and fellow coach, Ian, who is our new mindset expert and leader at Evolved Health and Performance, and he's got a wealth of knowledge and talking about these topics. So him and I are just going to shoot the shit today about how not only guys, but gals as well can learn how to manage their stress, you know, our experiences with how we got this way. We live in this type of world right now where so many individuals are bogged down with mental health related issues. You know, I find it's a, a big deal that we all need to work on. And Ian can probably attest to this too. Much of our coaching these days funnels a lot around mental health and it actually does teaching them how to squat. <laughs> so, so Ian, welcome to the podcast, man. It's good to have just you on. How are you doing today? Man? I'm doing great, man. It's been a, I was going to say it's been a, a busy day, but knowing, uh, how busy you've been the last 24 hours. I feel kind of guilty. I feel a little convicted talking about no. it. So let's let's start off by congratulating you, Dr. Chris Perry, Mr. <laughs> oh, don't man. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that very much. Um but it's been it's been a long time coming this whole this whole process of getting it done, getting it solidified, you know, being a professor for three years, having that imposter syndrome. The fact that it's just like, I'm right there. Um, and so what a perfect time to talk about stress and stress management and overcoming those odds. Um, you know, imposter syndrome is very interesting. I find itself too. not exactly a topic I wanted to talk about today, but you know, I, I get that. I get that a lot from people as far as just not feeling enough. Have you ever experienced uh, that particular feeling with you, with your own clients? You know, well, what kind of experiences have you had with feeling that way? You know, it, it's something where like I hear the term a lot. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, like I don't have imposter syndrome. Like I'm, I'm good. And it's probably at least once a week where I'm sitting here with all you. I'm, I'm literally working with doctors and PTs and all these really smart people. I'm like, what am I doing here? What do I have to offer? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so easy um, for me, anyways, to compare. And so, yeah, it's definitely something that comes up for me where I'm like oh man like you got some you got some work to do buddy you don't deserve to be here and then definitely see that in in our athletes and clients um where yeah maybe they're having that little identity crisis of I thought this was something that I wanted to do and this just isn't me I'm not this ain't it (laughs) that's right (laughs) so it's it's been an interesting road with that and you know I, I I stem a lot of this from how I grew up and you know, how I adapted to being able to handle the stress that I do. And I won't lie, you know, being, being the first child, you know, a lot of times comes with that. I, I need to make sure I'm doing well for my family and kind of thing. And, you know, as, as, as I've gotten older and I even taught my students, it's like, once you get to like high school and then college, especially you start to finally question yourself as far as like the question, who am I? Like, who, who am I supposed to be? Like, that's when you start to really start to form your self identity where you're put into different 
experiences that force you to take a look at yourself and go, oh shit, I'm on my own. And I got to really start learning how to make my own decisions and figure this out. Um, and so it was like the first time in my life where I was finally starting to think about, my gosh, I have to actually think about what I want to make this choice here, what I want this to be. You know, for a long time, for me, that was just like shit. Like it's, it feels like a lot. It's like a lot of pressure. It's just like, am I making the right decisions? And that, that always, always stressed me out. And so always trying to make sure that everything that I did was always in alignment with what my parents felt. And I love my parents to death. Like they're, they're two of the most greatest people in the world. And so why, why wouldn't I want to make them proud? Um, but it's just, it's difficult sometimes. I always had in the back of my mind, like, it's just, you gotta do good. You gotta do good, Chris. And so I, you know, I always kind of put that pressure on myself. Like I gotta, I gotta be a doctor. I gotta do this shit. I gotta do that. I gotta hold myself to these crazy ass standards, which, you know, for a lot of the time, put a lot of pressure on me that I kind of put on myself, especially when, when you actually have those good conversations with your family and say, we just want what's best for you. It's just like, yeah, I could have heard that 10 years ago. Um, but <laughs> so, but I think a lot of people deal with these types of things. And then that leads to, you know, when you get into relationships and when you don't know how to self-regulate properly when it comes to your nervous system, I find when that's when people explode. And then that kind of trickles into other aspects of how people deal with stress in general and why so many people deal with these addictive vices that they shouldn't be doing or putting their energy into. What is, what has your experience been with that growing up? Did you ever deal with that or, you know, how were you ever presented with these issues that developed into how you handle your stress now? Um, well, first I want to touch on something you just said a minute ago in regards to like the pressure you put on yourself and, I think when it comes to stress as a, as a toll, like I've, I've been kind of going back through like some of my mindset, like formal knowledge and things like that. And just been recently like reading about like the stress mindset. Right. And it, it talks about like, we have our perceived stressors. So maybe it's doing your dissertation or it's programming for a client or family stuff or your second traffic, like all the, the things that are going on and in reality, like what actually has the greater response on like our, our cortisol and all that is our perception and how we think about the stress itself, not necessarily the stressors, if that makes right. sense. So right. I guess because you said like, oh, like I put this pressure on myself and I hear this from clients all the time who have these super high expectations like, man, like I thought I'd be shredded in three months. I'm like, well, who told you that? Well, I, I just thought like it was me. I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> so if you're listening to this, if you're stressed out, you probably did it to yourself. <laughs> and I, I find that that's so many of our clients, right? But, but think about ourselves when we first started our fitness journeys. Like I thought that I went through that. I felt like I didn't understand that this was going to be a lifelong journey. It's going to take time to make true results. And even when I do get to those results, I'm going to end up reverting at some point and I'm going to have to course correct again. Like, I feel like it's the, uh, this what life's all about. Um, and so that's been one of the biggest lessons I've had to teach a lot of my clients. And then the, especially when we get to the end and they're just like, so I'm going to be able to stay this weight, right? I'm just like, well, no, you're actually might gain a little weight back during your reverse diet. And they 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 go, oh. <laughs> I'm just like, it's, that's a part of the process. Like you have to understand, like being at the super low body weight at 1200 calories is not sustained. You can't sustain that long periods of time. And so getting them ready for that. I find I find a lot of this comes from in built in ways of dealing with their stress. But at the same time, you know, I find people, you know, I, I like how you brought up the, the stress mindset, but then we can look at this so many ways, right? You know, it's, it's easy to take a look at this as, pra as a practical way and say, okay, let's just do breath work. Let's figure out how to help people 
regulate their nervous system so that they don't panic during times of stress. But at the same time, what about those ones that are like deep ingrained, like where they're, they've been thinking this, they have these thought patterns where they have this mindset they've had for years. Like that's going to take a lot more than breath work uh, to break them out of that sometimes. Um, and so in your experience, so we can start getting into more tangible action items here with our clients that we have at Evolve or people that you've worked with so far counseling as a, as a mindset individual, someone who specializes in that, what are some of the major issues you see when you work with people when it comes to their own mindset? from the beginning before you start working on mm. I, I think the first one that comes to mind is the all or nothing mentality. Yeah. Uh, whether you whether it be with with training or nutrition or even things in other aspects of their life, just being like, I'm either in my macros or I'm eating like an a-hole all weekend long. Like there's no in between. Um and that that's been a big one. I've had a couple couple people I've met with where, like you said, like just those things that are so deeply ingrained sometimes that it takes a little bit to kind of work that out. And some of it is like belief breaking, like things we've heard as a kid. Um, well, I, I, I had someone I was working with a, a while ago, like very high performer, right? And as we kind of dug into it, like, I was like, so where does all this come from? He's like, yeah, like, my dad used to always tell me, like, if you're going to do something, like, give it your all, right? And what that transformed into him over 20, 30 years of his life was, like, if I'm not giving it my all, if I'm not going 100%, then, like, it's not even worth doing. Right. So it's just, like, like so many of our thought patterns are, like, created during times where we're, like, around our parents and the way that they dealt with stress or the little things that they told us, even in the moment, if they didn't really mean it sometimes, like the way that they do as kids, we just absorb that shit. That's what it comes into. And now we're, I I find that area of psychology fascinating. (laughs) So the all in on principle is something we deal with a lot. What are some other things that you see? So, I see a lot of, oh, I failed, it's the end. Or I see a lot of uh, basically, oh my gosh, I screwed up this week and I let the emotions of it ride through this week and you know it's getting me down, but I'm still trying to figure out what to do. And so I, I think the biggest lesson that I've tried to teach a lot of my athletes and clients when it comes to these issues is, hey, you got to let it have its day and then move on. Because the more you stress about things that you did or didn't do in the past will not only show up as you keep going, but it's going to negatively affect your progress going forward. Um, and so that that's a big thing. Like So for example, if I give someone a goal of hitting their 10,000 steps per day last week, but they don't hit it, they I'll usually see individuals will put themselves down after that and they let that stress ride through the rest of the week. I'm like, you can't do that. You got to kick it off it's as soon as you possibly can. Um, and just look at it as, hey, it happened. That's cool. And so it's like the research study. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know if I, I talked to you guys about this, but the the effects of stress are so profound. And there was a really cool study they did on offering uh, the same group of people, uh, same group of people, two different milkshakes, because uh, they wanted to see if stress had an impact on how people absorb nutrients and go through digestion. And 
when they told them that it was a really, really fatty shake from McDonald's that had a whole bunch of cream and all these other additives in it that probably tasted awesome, all right? The individual is stressed out completely and freaked out. And you could see it in their physiology and how their body reacted when they consumed the milkshake. And then a separate time, they gave them another milkshake, but this time they said it was a health shake. It's low calories. It's going to be great for you. You're going to feel great. And they were all chill when they told you, like, okay, cool. Yeah, it's a cool health shake. Took it down, nothing. It was the same shake. <laughs> Both, it was the same exact shake. And so it was, it was used to demonstrate that when people are under stress, when they're met with these situations, it affects the physiology in a negative way. And we know that when the body's stressed, especially when it comes to the digestion and GI system, that that causes a myriad of issues metabolically, um, that the body's just not going to handle it as well. And so I think that's a really big key component to things that we deal with when it comes to GI distress that so many of our clients have. It's like stress is probably more than half the reason why you have so much GI distress right now or flare-ups and whatever autoimmune disorders you have. Um, so let's talk strategies. So, I mean, I know that I usually give the people breath work just to help with auto-regulation and learning how to control their nervous system. But when you sit down with clients, especially now as you've taken the role at Evolve, what are some of the great strategies that you offer individuals when it comes to things like anxiety or getting down on themselves when they fail during their fitness program? Yeah. So uh, like you said, it's like, yes, breath work and meditation and prayer and being in nature, like all those stress management techniques, like are great. And we really need to dig into like, what is your mindset around stress itself, right? Like, how do you just view stress? Because I think now that this is becoming like a bigger thing in the fitness industry and just in general, everybody's talking about stress. And I think it's from like a negative connotation, like, oh, like you don't want stress. You don't like cortisol bad. Like we don't need that. And in reality, like that's not really the case. Like we look at it, like if you go to the gym and you train, that's a stressor on the body. Like you're breaking down your muscles, but what happens? You recover and you actually come back stronger and more resilient than you were before. Really good point. So I, I, I try and frame that for people. I'm like, well, how do you think about stress in general? Like, do you have like stress is a, it's something that like breaks you down or is it something that could t- potentially like build you up? Right. And if we can shift the way that we think about stress, like we said before, like that's really going to affect our how our body reacts. Our psychology is going to affect our physiology in that sense. So being aware of the the stress mindset, I think, is one of the first things that I go through. And the way that that's such a great point. Let's because I I feel that a hundred percent when people are looking at stress as that one thing, we're just like, oh my gosh, like it's yes, that is completely true. And, like, I've had to tell people that sometimes too, because if I'm in class and I start talking about cortisol, like half my students just say, isn't that really, really, really bad? I'm just like, well, it depends on the frame of what you're looking at. When cortisol does its job the right way, it's just, it does its job. Then you're, you have a healthy body when cortisol is high at the right times. It's when it's consistently high chronically that you run into issues. And that's that's when it becomes the the bad guy when it comes to the human body and what it does. But that could happen with anything in the body. You know, if anything's a is, really, really low or extreme on any end, it's going to be bad. So it's that's a really, really great way to look at that. Um, tell me about your approaches to working with people when it comes to their lifestyle design, because I feel like we, we have so many individuals, coaches in particular, and I think this is a big theme for us because of our 
niche specifically at Evolve is becoming more and more fitness entrepreneurs and other fitness leaders and coaches. And the biggest problem I run into with them is they burn out half to hell. What, what are some of the biggest issues you see with our fitness coaches and what are your approaches when you counsel them? Yeah. So I, I'm going to start with the approaches. Um, I, I like to do something like, I call it a drains and charge analysis, right? So looking at like, what are the drains in your life? What are the charges? And they're going to be for everybody, like they're going to be different. And sometimes like, as an example, for somebody who's severely overweight, a charge would be going to the gym and exercising, right? But then if we look at a fitness coach who's working 80 hour weeks and they're training seven days a week and they're doing all the things, training for them is actually going to be a drain. It's going to actually take away from their health. So depending on like it, it, I look at it as like you're taking your entire, all the different stressors in your life and all the different things in your life and kind of comparing and contrasting them just to get an accurate representation of like, hey, like where do we need to make those tweaks from one side of the chart to the other? Right. I like that. And so that's, I've done something somewhat similar when working with some of our coaches before, but just trying to get them how to get them to breathe. <laughs> it's just some of yeah. the hardest things to do and not to learn how to create space. I find there's something that I run into a lot where I ask them to see their schedule. And when I look at their schedule, I'm like, God, <laughs> you just sit up from literally 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. Sometimes you, there is no spaces. And they're just like, I can't fit in my macros. And I'm like, I can't imagine why now looking at your schedule. Like I, I, now I understand. Uh, you give no time to breathe. And, you know, what we know about, you know, the way the brain works with ultradian cycles, every 90 minutes or so, your brain literally needs 15 to 20 minutes to just shut off. So it doesn't shut off, but it's like to allow the system to completely recuperate, to continue going. That's what they looked at why it is certain uh, populations, specifically like medical school students, can literally sit there and study for hours on end all day long. It's like, well, they have these built in times where they take periodic breaks, 15 to 30 minutes, every hour to 90 minutes of study. And that little period of time really allows the brain to reset through the ultradian cycles that we see in the brain. And that allows them to avoid chronic neural fatigue that happens with a lot of these individuals who constantly just go, 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 go constantly. Um, because we see that too. And it gets worse now in this day and age when we've got so many distractions on on our on our desks that are pulling our attention away, whether it's coming from a computer screen or a, or a telephone or coming from the TV we have on in the background or Mary Sue who's bitching about her boyfriend in the back on TikTok. And all of a sudden we've got all of these sources of power that are taking energy away from us that are draining our neural energy. And so and even when people claim to be able to focus, if you've got your phone on your table and it's in your peripheral vision, if you've got a whole bunch of tabs up, you've got a lot of different sources of, in, of, of information draining you of your energy. We know that the phone, just being in peripheral vision, takes 15% of your cognitive power. Um, and so you're literally trying to focus on one thing, but your brain is actually thinking about the phone without you, without you being cognitively aware of it. Uh, and so and that will cause you to fatigue faster. Um, and so and they see that that actually... Uh, secretes a little bit of norepinephrine and takes your adrenaline hormones up and stretches you out even further. Um, so I, I find it a big, big problem that you and I run into with a lot of these coaches. And I think the big thing is just getting them to listen to <laughs> the problem on its own. 
Uh, what other approaches have you have you presented them so far that you've seen while working with the mindset? Well, since you just said that about the phone, I put my phone away so I could give you more of my focus. So, <laughs> um, I I think kind of to go over like action steps for similar to what you were talking about, like just working on like actually creating boundaries. Um, like you said, like having that packed schedule, it's like you you got you got no room for yourself to breathe. And I, I like your maybe to to give another analogy i always talk about like the um i'm i'm not a nascar guy what's like the new like racing thing that everybody likes there's lots of things there's high rocks that's out um where it's a fitness competition race uh which is actually pretty cool um as far as anything like actual i mean if you if you want to just if you want to go a little bit away from racing go into what's competitive right now (laughs) everyone's playing pickleball now have you seen the shit Anyways, anyways, I almost pulled us off track. So I think about like the NASCAR drive, right? They're doing the Daytona 500 and they pull in and do their pit stop. They don't do a pit stop because they have to, right? They have enough gas in the tank to keep going. Their tires are good for probably another 50 laps, but they take that pit stop so that they can keep going for the long haul. I like that. Or perform at a higher level. So like you said, like when we're looking at coaches who have these super packed schedules and they're like, I need to do every single sales call and I need to do this. I need to do this like all under the sun. It's like, yes, like there are seasons where you need to like grind and where you need to like pack it in. But as a long-term strategy, if you're in this for the long haul to build a business that lasts or in anything, right? Build relationships that last or whatever. Like you want to perform at a high level and those breaks are going to be super key. So just actually sitting down with people and like you said, like the science shows like every like 60 to 90 minutes, like you need a good 10 to 15 minutes to like just step away and do literally anything else. (laughs) Yep. I I 1000% agree. And that also comes from an old proverb, right? Um, there's a, one of the habitudes that I teach, uh, the starving baker talks about this exact principle, uh, where it tells the story of the old proverb where we have the individual, uh, the lumberjack who goes into the woods with his friend and they have a competition to see who can chop down the most trees. And every day that they go out to work though, one of the lumberjacks leaves halfway through the day and his friend's like, where are you going every single day? And you see that the other lumberjack who stays, he's, he's pretty quick. You know, he comes out of the fire really, really fast. He's chopping down trees and he's really racking them up. But then, but as the day goes on, he goes a little slower and a little slower and a little slower. But his friend who left halfway during the day, although he maintains the same speed, that's a little slower than his friend, he still remains fresh throughout the entire day because he took that small break and then came back. And by the end of the day, he actually chops down more trees. And so it, it, it's to illustrate that the taking the rest period, the taking the break is beneficial for, as you just said, keeping the iron sharp. Um, and so, which is such an important lesson that I think us as coaches and business owners ourselves, like don't, don't see sometimes when we're getting into the mess and we're starting to wonder why, why are we burnt out all the time? Why are we stressed out? I mean, Ian, I ran into this with the PhD so many times. It's probably half the reason why it took so long, um, amongst other things, and having multiple jobs. Um, 
which probably did it too. Um, but at the same time, it's like that was a season where I had to do what I had to do. Um, but if we could only illustrate that to so many people to understand that rest is important um, when it comes to maximizing our performance in RMs. And, and I'm, I'm also in the camp that you shouldn't work every single day of the week either. You got to have at least that one day, you know, you and I being, being Christian guys, you know, that's, that's the Sabbath, but you know, for, for most people, especially the entrepreneurs, you know, but unfortunately I've still had to work on Sundays. Um, it's, I've tried to, sometimes I make Saturday my Sabbath. (laughs) I'm just like, just going to not work on Saturday uh, or watch football. Um, but for a lot of people, you'll hear that, you know, that Alex Ramosi type of mindset. You got to work all the time and you got to go hundred percent. And, you know, I get it when it comes to money, but if you want to actually be able to breathe and continue to enjoy life, you got to take that breath because hell, I know I've run my ass into the ground before and it doesn't feel good. Like what, what has been, I'm sure you've experienced that too. What, 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 and what was the last time that you wore yourself out to where you learned that lesson? Who? It's funny because, like, uh, I did my Dutch test stuff with John at the beginning of the year. And prior to the test, I was like, man, like, I feel great. Like, I'm just, like, killing it. Training's going good. Like, everything's going. And he pulls it up. And I, like, we were looking at the cortisol, like, response, like, throughout the day. And it's like, let's say this is, like, the normal level. Mine's, like, down here at the bottom. Like, almost, like, no raise. Like, um, it's, like, adrenal fatigue, like, towel. 1000. And to answer your question, like, I feel like when I was coaching in person and I was coaching online and I was running all around, like, I didn't feel like it, like it was kind of normal to me, but my body was definitely suffering from it. And even too, like, I can remember like (laughs) it until recently, until I took the Sabbath, like very seriously, I'm like, Oh, like I'll do a check-in I'll do check-ins on Sunday after church and just get ahead. Oh, man. You know, like, just like, I'll work whenever. Like, oh, a client texts me on Sunday. Like, yeah, I can respond right now. Like, no big deal. Um, And again, like, it didn't feel like it was doing anything, but like the test results really showed like, hey, dude, like, you ain't, you ain't optimal right now. You're, you're suboptimal. So that's where some, some transformative stuff had to take place, which we can touch on <laughs> when, when you did your dust test what did you see did you see like issues with testosterone and cortisol that were a little out of out of balance yeah like my for for testosterone like i was within range but on the low end of the range right and then right. when you look like cortisol like supposed to like spike in the morning kind of level out and then slowly taper during the day i almost had like no um there was no spike in the morning. Like, you know, I came up a little bit and then it was like a straight line through the day. I'm like, man, like, how was I survive? I was like, I was looking, I'm like, is this even accurate? I was like, how is this possible? <laughs> like crawling from like client to client. Like I was just going by willpower and my giant water, uh, water bottle, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> now th- this is a good segue to get into the aspects of wellness that I'd like, like us to go personal and I'll be vulnerable too. Um, and one of the, one of the biggest things that I teach my, my students in my ESS 435 class is called, uh, group leadership, uh, in coaching psychology. And part of the big projects is to look at the five aspects of wellness. You've got physical, you've got emotional, 
spiritual, you got intellectual, and you got social. And the biggest things that I try to challenge them with is look at all of these aspects of wellness and look at your own life to see if you're fulfilling in all of these areas. Um, and if I've learned anything about myself, especially in the past, what am I? I'm going to be 35 this upcoming year. And I moved away from home when I was in college. So ever since I was 18, 19 years old, um, moved away from home. And I've, I would say one of the biggest issues that I've dealt with as a guy is every time I move from place to place, I always have to make new friends. And as, as much as I have, you know, good best friends at home, like to this day, my best friend Chase, um, but lives back in Virginia. My other best friend, David, he lives in Baltimore. My other best friend, Kevin, he lives up in Pittsburgh. And then best friend, RJ, he's all the way in Texas. Best friend, Kyle, he's all the way out in Arizona. Like we're all spread out. So every time I've moved, it's like, well, shit, I'm all by myself again. And what the more and more I study psychology, I see a very, very common thing. And I'm sure this is important for girls too, is we really do require that social wellness to, to be able to continue to grow, to be able to keep our stress levels down. And the more I start to have experiences viewing others who don't have that and see how lonely they are, and even if they claim to not need friends, they certainly do. Not only to help point out your faults and when you know you're being shitty, but also to actually give you that sense of belonging to something greater, to a community. And that's been a big part of my stress for a long time, especially during the PhD. That was ter- that was really really hard for me, um, and that's always been a big thing for me to always try to make sure that I'm getting involved with the community as best as I can, making friends. Because man, that I've seen people as they get old, and it's terrible. What what kind of what aspects in in your experiences have you dealt with this sort of thing? I mean, I don't want to just steal yours, but I kind of have to. Like, that's really the big one. Like, the big one for me has been the relationships. I feel like I've done very, very well with, like, my fitness and nutrition and, like, purpose within business and, like, my relationship with God and all those. But the the social interaction, especially now working from home, like, literally just been at home all day long. Yeah. (laughs) Then the one... Where it's been like, huh. And and that's something I, I I have my little vision board in my room and twenty-eight year old dude, but I'll put it out there. Like on one of the things on my vision board was get a guy best friend, right? Because it is so important, like you said, like just to have people that you can go to, like not just in a work setting, not just like in a client setting or something like that, but people you can actually like be vulnerable with and and grow. And I think when it comes to developing as a leader and just developing as a human like that's why when god was making adam he's like hey man shouldn't be alone made him a woman and then but they made a bunch of other people from there right like we're not supposed to be alone and be the the lone ranger like we need people to really succeed and really reach our our full potential yeah and that that alludes to you know one of our athletes, Lizzie, uh, said the same thing. Her, her, her quote from her podcast was, you, you have to be able to accept help from people. Like, cause that's how you get places. Like, and I, I remember myself and my own experiences, you know, I've had help in every aspect of my life to get to where I am. Um, but the, and, you know, the more and more you research, you know, individuals who have mental issues or you know the higher rates of depression higher rates of loneliness and even the potential for suicide like this is one of those areas where they're always lacking like 
they just needed friends. You know, they just needed those people in their lives that could help them feel like there's life worth living. And, you know, especially when you see guys as they get older, if guys don't have guys specifically around them throughout their lives, it, it has, it causes some issues. Um, and so, and, you know, I see this with, I won't say names, but individuals personal to me, I see this happening. And, you know, I've, you know, pushed them on it. Like, you should probably get some friends. I'm like, no, nah, I don't need friends. I'm just like, at any stage of life, I don't care if you're 55, you know, you should still need to have that camaraderie because, and I love how John Deloney said it in his interviews that I was listening to where it's like, maybe going out and doing that thing with your guy helps reduce the nuclear reactor, as it were, within yourself so that when you go home and you're around your family, you don't you know, go off on a bender and go crazy and initially react because you're stressed out because you didn't get that sense of belongingness. Um, rather, you would come home a little bit more in control and actually more at ease because you fulfilled that aspect of your wellness and you're less likely to react or create fear within the household with the stress. And so uh, that was such an eye-opening thing to hear him say because that's so true. It's just like, if you take care of all your other aspects of wellness, especially when it comes to physical activity, emotional stress, um, but also having that sense of belonging where you're checking off all the boxes for overall well and being well, that that only spills into other areas of your life that improves. Um, and so that's one of the areas that I myself have been like, hey, this is something we got to focus on for the future. I'm like, yeah, I'm engaged to the most wonderful woman in the world, but we, and I've told her this too. I'm like, we need friends at all stages so <laughs> if we're going to be successful. Yeah, same. That's another thing that's on my uh, little vision board. It's like guy best friend, couples best friends, right? Like you said, like you said just have that, that accountability piece. And it's funny because you were talking about like when people were like, oh, like I don't need any friends and, and stuff like that. Like I'm good. And you know why? Because of this freaking thing. Everybody yeah. else, they've got friends on their phone and that ain't it. It's, it. it's it's the ability to communicate with a lot of people, but it lacks connection. It's it's very, very hard to connect this way through technology and not being able to see each other in person. Like, I mean, that was the whole issue during COVID, right? When kids couldn't go to class and they couldn't develop those social skills that are so important. And now we deal with students who are 18 years old who can't look you in the eyes because they're so afraid and they're used to seeing people in a mask. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. A lot of these things that, that are so necessary for, especially for younger individuals as they're growing up. Like we, we're, we're very social creatures. We need to be able to have those bonds to succeed and to be able to be our best. Um, so I, I definitely agree, especially on, this is an area I definitely want to explore. It's like now that I uh, can actually go off from sleep a little bit, even though I won't. <laughs> I'm like stuck in the world of sleep research now. I wouldn't say stuck. I, I should say blessed because I do love it. And, you know, I was writing my acknowledgements, <laughs> my dissertation, just like, you know, I actually am really grateful for this, you know, and I told my committee members in my defense too, I was like, you know, I know I never, ever thought that I would ever want to ever study anything related to sleep. Like that sounded boring as hell to me. The first time I, I knew that that's what I was going to do. Flash forward 10 years later, and it's probably one of the best things ever. <laughs> I've really learned a lot. God works in mysterious ways. I tell you what. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, so to, to kind of wrap things up, you know, especially I, w- I would love to have this conversation with the girls too um, at some point because I know Kayla, Destiny, and Jen, they would all have wonderful things to say here. And I'm sure girls go through exactly the same thing. It's like, it's, 
yes, we need a sense of purpose. Yes, we need a career. We need a passion. We we need to, you know, have our own connections with our own spirituality, but we got to have community as well. We got to have those friends. Um, so to wrap it up, you know, what would be the best things you could encourage others to do to not only improve on their mindset, but to to fulfill all aspects of wellness so that they can be the best? Yeah. So, I mean, you you mentioned like the five tiers that you teach to your students, like fitness and um, finance, friends. I don't know if those are the exact words that you that you used. I know I know I have a couple like similar idea but different words but like fitness finance friends uh purpose stuff like that like getting a glimpse on those big areas of your life and doing an audit of like hey like how am i doing in my health how am i doing in my relationships how am i doing in my my faith how am i doing in my purpose how am i doing in all those different things and doing an honest audit and like hey like where, where am I killing it as well as where am I lacking? Right. Cause I think from a mindset perspective, we don't want to just go all one way or the other to where it's like, ah, you need to improve this. You need to improve this. This sucks. Do better. You need to take time. You need to take time to celebrate and be like, Hey, like this is what you're doing. Well, how can we maybe bring it forward to the other areas that aren't doing so well? Right. Uh, and once you've created that awareness, then it just comes down to action plan, right? If your fitness isn't where you need to be, great. Hire coach Chris and he's going to get you sleeping right and training like a madman. Or if your relationships aren't good, hey, go go to church and get in a group and start spending time with other people, right? Like there, you just have to figure out first what is or what are those areas that aren't where I want them to be and then take that action. Right. And I agree with you a hundred percent. And and I think on top of that, have people around you who can do that audit for you. Like I have great friends who keep me in check when it comes to those types of things and just say, Hey, Chris, like, you know, I love you, but you're screwing up in this area and you really need to do better. And, you know, I'll tell you who the best person is at that is my fiance now. <laughs> she, she does not let any blind spots get away. She's always just like, Hey, I'm <laughs> Cut that shit out. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even see it there. Yeah, it's, it's called blind spot. Um, so it's really helpful to have good people around you because, you know, it's that cliche saying, you know, you're defined by those, the, the five people you surround yourself with. But damn it, if that ain't the truest thing ever. So being able to find ways to belong. And, you know, I'll encourage a lot of the young guys out there who are afraid. You know, it, you don't have to be afraid to go out and make friends. You know, don't be shy. You know, get your ass out there. Be vulnerable. Join a CrossFit gym. Join any gym. You know, go to a bar, meet friends that way if you want. If you have to, join a club. You know, I I was reading a book uh, that, that talks about um, it's Tucker Max of all people, uh, and he literally. Have you read any Tucker Max books? T- Tucker Max used to be the guy who I forget the name of the book. Um, I hope they serve beers in hell, and it would just be a, a hysterical, hysterical, funny book. But then he wrote a follow up about it on just he, that he wrote with another uh, a psychologist talking about you know development of guys and everything else and a lot of it he said that was true he's like go volunteer volunteering is one of the best ways to meet people both of the of the of the same gender and the opposite gender um and get involved that way do put yourself outside in the in the community and really put yourself out there to make friends and that's one of the best things that you could possibly do um if you're spiritual go to church meet people through church join a small group you know there's so many ways to 
meet people out there, no matter what niche you're in, you know, that you're interested in. It's just got to get off your high horse and drop the pride and, you know, just be a little vulnerable and put yourself out there. Even if it's just making friends, we're not even talking about dating right now. <laughs> Join a softball team. Um, any closing remarks, Ian, as we start to wrap up here? Put your phone down. That's it. You want to build real relationships? Put the phone down. I'll tell you, like one of the most transformational things for me this last month has been like in my relationship with Lexi, in my friendships, in my productivity, in in business, in my fitness has been deleting social media like off my phone, getting the apps off there. Now, obviously, I still need them for work, so I'll re-download them and stuff like that, like for that purpose. But other than that, I'm like, okay, like. Let's put that aside because it just allows so much more presence for the people and the things that are like real and tangible and in front of me. So I think that's been one of my, uh, if you're a fitness coach listening to this, that might not be the best strategy to grow your business. The algorithm will hate you if you do that. Um, but if you just want to be like a really solid human and, and be happy, then do that. I 100% agree, my man. I've never felt more free than when I've turned my phone off. <laughs> Ian, thanks for coming on to the podcast. You know, for all of our listeners out there, Ian will always be uh, around the podcast as he is one of our coaches here at Evolve. If you'd like to learn more about Evolve Health Performance, please don't hesitate to run off to our social media webpages at Evolve underscore HP or visit us online and sign up and submit to our coaching applications where we like to make you into the next best version of yourself the Evolved Athlete. Stay tuned for so many more great topics coming your way with great guests, and we look forward to seeing you in the future. Coach P is out, and we'll see you in the next one. If you liked today's episode, please be sure to drop a like, share it with all your friends, and give us a great review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to work with the best in the business, please be sure to head over to all of our social media webpages at Evolve Health and Performance. Us at Evolve are trying to make you the best athlete of all time and realize your full potential. Stay tuned for all future episodes where we bring you the best guests and features for everything health, fitness, and wellness. For everything Evolve, stay tuned. Coach P's out.